Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Walter, and on this week's episode, we're going to hear from Jordan Hotchkiss about his successful turkey season, how he got youth hunters involved in the outdoors this year and on turkeys, and the different stories behind a full limit of birds. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, brought to you by Wild Edge Inc. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I'm your host, Walter, and on this show and on this podcast, we try to share the stories and adventures and the fun times that that people have from all over the country, and they come on this show and they share those stories with us, and we just enjoy the camaraderie that comes from sharing a campfire-style story, and I hope you'll enjoy that. Uh, this, This week, we spoke to Jordan Hotchkiss, and this guy is just another example of someone who's just living the life. The dude, any 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 season, any game, he is pursuing it, and he has a blast doing it. And I tell you, he's one of the most proficient turkey hunters that I've had on the show in a long time. And we talked to him several weeks back in turkey season, and uh, he shared his tips and tricks from the previous seasons and, uh, and gave us some wisdom from those previous years as, as well. And he was a joy to have on the show, so when I asked him to come back on, having noticed that he had tagged out this year, I, I, I he jumped at the opportunity, and I, I was glad to have him. But before we get to that, we need to pay due to, to our title sponsor, Wild Edge Incorporated. They have been a supporter of this show before we had even dropped our first podcast, and uh, as y'all know, I, I'm, a, I'm a running gun hunter. I hunt a lot of public land, and for me, versatility and lightweight are the two biggest things that go into my my running gun setup. And, and the Wild Edge Step Letter embodies those two things wholeheartedly. It's light, it's quick, it's quiet. 
you can put it on any tree and as i make the transition into being a saddle hunter this year i can i can tell you right now that it falls in line with the true running gun meaning of a saddle so if you haven't already checked them out www.wildedgeinc.com and if you use the promo code chasingtails10 what's a one zero you get free shipping on any order of step <clears throat> that saves you about 15 bucks so get on there to uh, take a look and if you got any questions reach out to andrew or if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to him reach out to me man i love talking and hunting obviously i've got a podcast so y'all send me a message either on facebook or instagram and i'll get back with you now i've, I've jabbered enough and i think it's time i go ahead and get to the podcast this episode this episode took me a while to get out, and I apologize. I had to, to force this episode into being because this is the third time uh, that I edited this podcast, and something went wrong every time, and I had to scrap the whole project. So I hope you enjoy I enjoyed it. See you on the other side. Welcome back, everybody. I am live. Uh, turkey season is coming to an end across most of the United States, and uh, we, we have talked to several people this year who have had some really cool stories of the past and dropped some awesome knowledge bombs and uh, I have continued the trend of bringing previous guests back on that are just stone cold killers I'm talking you know, you, you you heard last week's episode and uh, uh, Tim did an awesome job on his turkey tour out west and uh, prior to hearing from Tim I was getting some messages and uh, somebody else we had on the podcast tagged out in his home state, and I, I coerced him to take time out of his evening and come back on. I've got uh, the one and only Jordan Hotchkiss. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you, man? Oh, man, any better? I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I heard that. And, I mean, dude, I'm I'm being dramatic here, you know, a little, little bit, but you had a killer season. Yeah, man, it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh Tagged out, like you said, we can only kill two birds here, but tagged out in the first couple weeks. Then I had uh, the pleasure of getting my uh, seven-year-old nephew a bird, and then one of my other good buddies got him a bird. So didn't get to hunt as much as I'd like, but for the the little bit I did, I had quite a bit of success. So it was an awesome season. Well, I think it's important. I think it's important to – you can do one of two things. I think you can hunt a lot and not hunt well. Or sometimes it's best to hunt a few times and 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 be wildly successful. And it sounds like you went down the the second path. Did did all this occur in North Carolina? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get to get out of out of state. Everything was in North Carolina. Hey, that, I mean, it obviously is working for you because you, you you did a good job, man. That did what what did y'all's season kind of entail? Were the birds acting kind of funny towards the beginning of the season for y'all? I mean, down here we I heard eight gobbles all year total oh my gosh it was a really tough year so that's how, struggling there man oh, it was bad dude <laughs> i'll be honest with you I, i'm not one for giving up but i the last two days i had to physically remove myself from the bed and go after those birds because i was just oh, demoralized i bet i bet man um yeah so it was kind of all over the place and you know some of my buddies that, that hunt quite a bit we were hearing different things uh you know across the the few counties that we hunt um early in the season like youth youth week um the birds didn't seem to have hens with them that it, it was it was odd there wasn't that many hens with them and then it was almost like the birds became more hinned up as the season went on where usually it's kind of the opposite um 
so it might have been a little late this year we had kind of a, a crazy spring it was we had like a, a week of warm weather there and then it it dropped down in the 20s again we got hit with some snow so i don't know you know how much that affected it but it was it was a a little different than usual but i'm not complaining well so i mean yeah just did they pick up towards the middle of the like you didn't see a a, a serious lull like we experienced down here i'm taking it no no um, i didn't see anything like that it's tough, man. It, it's one of those things, I've, I've said it before, I hunt turkeys to have a reaction with the turkeys. And yeah. It, and any time they won't talk to me, dude, that just kills it altogether. That just, that's the biggest turnoff for me, dude. I just It's time to go home and get some coffee and maybe take a midday nap because I'm, I'm just done at that point. So, I, you know, I'm going on nine years, but next year I, I suspect it will be a better a better outcome in the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's hard, man. It's hard to stay motivated. Like you said, I mean, that's kind of the reason we get out. We want to hear those gobbles and, and talk to them and have that, that, uh, you know, that interaction. And, and when you don't have that, it's, it's rough. It's hard to stay motivated. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't suffer that problem. So, uh, <laughs> why, why don't you take us, uh, chronologically through, through your hunt? You got a, you got a young fella on a bird. Was that in, during the youth season or later on? Yeah. So that was opening day youth season. Um, it's my nephew. He's seven. Um, and me and my, my brother-in-law is a very good turkey hunter as well. Me and him hunt quite a bit and it's been fun because the last couple of years, my nephew just old enough to, to start hunting. But yeah, we went on, uh, opening day of youth season there and we had scouted it the evening before and kind of roosted some jakes. We knew there was some long beards in there. Didn't know exactly where they were, where they were going to roost, but, um, it's calling for rain. It was actually the first hunt I've ever had out of a blind just cause I, 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 nothing against blinds. I just like being mobile. I like to be able to get up, move and kind of run and gun, but I knew the weather was going to be bad. The wind was going to be blowing. It was going to be raining. So, um, me and my brother-in-law went up there and set up a, well, my brother-in-law actually went up there and set up the blind the night before. And, uh, we went in there opening the morning, man, and it was pouring the rain. We got set up in the blind and, and, uh, right at daylight man the rain stopped and i'm like oh my god couldn't get any better because it's kind of on the edge of some fields and um you know as you know man if it if it if it rains for any extended amount of time as soon as that rain's done especially if it rains all night the first thing those birds are going to do is head to the field to dry those feathers off they want to get out from under the canopy dripping dripping water and all that so um yeah man the birds were uh gobbling there was a jake way down below us it was gobbling and uh, we worked him for about 30 minutes, and we heard one one gobble up above us, which we knew was the long beard. But, you know, my seven-year-old nephew, we're like, we're just trying to get a bird in front of him so he can – we didn't care what it was, honestly. And uh, we worked this Jake, and he came up. There's We were on the, the top of a knoll, and uh, across his holler, we could see the other knoll where we knew the, these birds were the evening before. We, we worked him for about 30 minutes and he came all, he probably came 400 yards to the top of this knoll and he was sitting up there strutting around, strutting around and just gobbling. I mean, he was cutting us off every time. Well, my brother-in-law says, what's up in the woods there? Well, he saw something move. So I threw the binoculars up and still, I don't know what was going on. A hen came running. She was running through the woods as fast as she could come, ran all the way down this old logging road, hit the field we were in and paralleled this other logging road through the field and ran all the way to that Jake. <laughs> Still, I, it, it was crazy. And I knew that the long beard was up with her. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, this is perfect. He's coming. I'm like, it's just a matter of time. 
So sure enough, five minutes later, uh, I see movement up in the woods and I threw my binoculars up and there's two strutters and I'm like, Oh, here they come. And, uh, my nephew, man, he's like, you know, he's seven and he's sitting there. He said, he literally, he's like, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to have a heart attack. And, uh, <laughs> he was shaking and my brother-in-law was all wound up, man. And, and these birds just came strutting down the log and road. It was like picture perfect. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better and, and uh, popped out and he shot and, and that was it. So it was an awesome hunt. He was, he was pumped up, but anytime you can get a kid on a bird, it's, it's almost more fun than, you know, you killing it yourself for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think it's always rewarding to get somebody. I think it's always recording. It's always, re- oh my goodness. It is <laughs> always rewarding words. They fail me uh, to get someone else on a bird. But when I think when it, or an animal in general, but when it's a, when it's a, a youth member, I mean, that's even better, dude. That just, yeah. that just, I obviously haven't put somebody on a turkey before that was youth, but I've put them on ducks and I've, I've put them on deer and do that is, that is better than harvesting yourself. I'd, I'd say that out loud. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome, dude. So youth hunter, youth season, you had somebody and you got them out there. What, what was the, the, the specs on that bird? Was he a, a full blown Tom or? Yeah, he was a two year old bird. Nice. So I had like a nine inch beard, inch long spurs, and wow, full fan. He yeah, he was a he was his first. He killed he killed a Jake. We got him a Jake last year, so this was his first uh, long beard. So he okay. was pumped. Okay. Was this public land or private? Private, private. Okay. Yeah. That's still cool, man. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Hey, I'll take it where I can get it, man. I don't care where it is. Shoot, yeah. <laughs> to put it in perspective, I was I'm on a part of a, a waterfowl forum, and they were like, "What's your what's your favorite duck to shoot?" Like mallards excluding, and I sat there for the longest time trying to figure it out. And I think I replied, "I said it, whatever duck is sitting on the water in front of me, man, I <laughs> I, <laughs> I have no qualms about it. If it's legal, it's probably going to get something slung at it from me. I, I I am all about acquiring the meat before I'm starting to worry about the other. Don't get me wrong. Now, if I have a choice, I'm obviously going to pick one, but yeah, you know, absolutely. you put you put a bird in front of me that's legal. It's probably gonna die for the next couple of years. I don't care if it's Jake or Tom. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So once you got that youth hunter on the bird, did you, did you kind of turn to yourself, or did do you do you have a hunting buddy that you typically go out with? Yeah. So then, um, so youth season lasts a week, um, and the youth are only allowed to kill one bird in, in youth week. So um, that following Saturday was open a day, so I took my buddy. I went with my buddy Andrew uh, and got on some birds. I know I told the story previously on the the other podcast. You want me to run through it again? Or it's a good story. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, we got on some birds and and we actually walked under one. Um, got in there a little late and walked under under one. I heard I heard something. I heard one spitting when we were walking up this ridge. And I thought I was imagining things. I heard it again and I looked and there I could see his, his beard silhouetted from the moon. And I'm just like, Oh my God, he was sitting there looking at us. So (laughs) I know he was done. So we went up and set up uh, above him on where we thought these other birds would be. And, uh, come daylight, um, the other birds were gobbling. Obviously the one we spooked took off. We worked them to make a long story short. We worked them for about 30 minutes. They had some hens with them and it kind of pulled them off the other way. And, um, I actually got tied up with a coyote. We once, man, when we're hunting anything around here, at least for me, if I see a coyote, it turns into a coyote hunt. So <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd almost 
I kind of got in. I started mouth squeaking to this coyote and shaking a multi-floor rose bush. And she actually ran down the hill and circled around me and got my wind. But that took about 30 minutes. I almost got a shot at her. But anyways, so by the time I we got done messing with her, uh, one of those birds just got fired back up. So we're like, all right, sweet. So we um, kind of go down. He he was strutting on a on a kind of a knoll a knob there the point of a ridge and it was covered in uh mountain laurel rhododendron um thicket and so i knew that if we could just get on the you know the, the edge of his bubble he was in a spot where we could kind of get up there as close as you know decently close and uh, try to work him a little bit so we set up there and and uh he was gobbling hard and so we worked in there for about 30 minutes and uh he was cutting us off so i said okay we're not going to call to him any anymore because at that point, he was kind of, you know, sometimes we just call just to hear him gobble. And at that point, it's almost like, you know, the bird's working you. You're not working the bird. So I like to wait until I like to shut up and wait until he gobbles again before I'm going to call to him when he's that fired up. So that's what we did. He gobbled, um, gave him, I think, a couple little yelps. And then he gobbled again. And then I gave him about five minutes and uh purred and scratched the leaves and he gobbled when I scratched the leaves. So I was like, Oh, get ready. He's coming. <laughs> and where we had set up, we, we were just, you know, trying to get set up as fast as possible. And there was an old dead locust tree that was laid down on the, about five yards in front of us. And my buddy had a red dot site. And uh, the last time he gobbled, I'm like, and we'll see right on the other side of this locust tree is kind of like a little dip. So where that bird was going to come from we thought he would work up the ridge but as always he did what we didn't expect and came down low so he gobbled and i could hear the thunder in his chest and i'm like he's right there and we couldn't see him and then all of a sudden you hear the and i'm like oh he's gonna go and uh so and my buddy andrew leans up and had a red dot scope on his gun and he thought his barrel was clear the the laid down locust but it wasn't and he blew a hole in the locust tree <laughs> it was awesome but i mean he was like 25 yards man he was right on top of it but he was pissed did the tree pretty much explode in front of you oh dude yeah splinters went everywhere we walked we walked up to the tree i should have took pictures of it. i think he did and there was literally bb's laying in this like like where he'd blown the hole there was bb's laying in the in the locust and i'm just like oh my god I'm like, I'd rip that freaking red dot off right now if I was you, man. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, so he was pissed. What did but... what did his face look like? Was it just sheer disbelief? Did he go <laughs> <Yeah>. in? <laughs> it was disappointment. I mean, it was sheer disappointment. I just But I, you know I, I think I, mean, I would have been in just utter denial about that, man. Oh, like... I know, dude. I know. <laughs> but at the end of the day we're like, you know what? Well we learned not not to ever do that again, but heck we worked the bird perfect. I mean right. We, we wanted him to do exactly what he did, except he just he just came from a different direction, which, you know, always happens, man. Oh, yeah, every time. Dad, gum. That, yeah. That, that sounds like the kind of dumb thing that I would do. Eight, you know, <laughs> having hyped it up that eight years now I haven't killed a turkey, I'd have him sitting there at 25 yards and kill a tree and not the bird. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. I, you gonna, He's never going to live that one down, is he? No, no, he won't. I, I think that's only fair. Yeah. Hopefully, he doesn't listen to the podcast because he's gonna be red. <laughs> he's gonna be red in the face when this drops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll have to tell him just to make him embarrassed. Yeah. Now, now, did you end up chasing birds with your bow this year? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I did. I uh, I ended up killing one with my bow. I killed my first one with a shotgun because, like I mentioned earlier, I think maybe next year I'll just be like dedicate the whole season <laughs> to bow. You were kind of you were kind of like wanting to do that this year, but wanting to also tag out. It was like <laughs> I know, man. It's, it's so hard. Like I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it, and then. Once you start hearing that first gob, I'm like, ah, I just got to get one under my belt. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But you, but you end up, you did well. Your last bird, you was the one you tagged out with, right? Yeah, yeah, now, on my bow. Yeah. Now to set the stage for how I know that, I'm at work one day. I think it's when was that? Uh, late April when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So it is late April, and I'm talking to your buddy Tyler. And we're texting back and forth, and we're talking about, you know, upcoming turkey strategies. And I get this message like, this sorry joker or something like that. And I'm like, I wonder what he's talking about. And I get this I get this message. It's a video that you sent him, and you're sitting on the side of, of some little knoll or something, and you're just chilling, just looking off on, off, on the, off the, you know, side of wherever it is you're, you're at, and you slowly start to pan to the right, and there's a dead bird sitting right there, and it, it, <laughs> You pan back to yourself and like wink at the camera, dude. I just fell out, dude. I don't know why that that cracked me up. It was just like the look on your face just said, "Yeah, I knew I could do it." <laughs> like what? What did you? What did you expect? You know, like uh, yeah. So. I had to do that, man. I like to do that to give, uh, give my buddies a hard time. Like, like, uh, yeah, that's right. I got it done. You're sitting at work. I got to rub it in their face. <laughs> and it got to Tyler too, man. I will tell you that much right now. He was wanting to be out there. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. What were the specs on that bird? Was he a, a full grown, like two two or three year old bird? What? Yeah, he was he was a two year old bird. Um, a little bit over an inch spurs, uh, nine and a half inch beard. So just a real solid bird. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, he was a good bird, man. I, now I won't. I was talking about earlier getting my nephew a jake. I usually I, I've never killed a jake. I nothing wrong with it. If I dude, if I hadn't killed birds in a few years, I'd kill a jake. But like you said, I mean. If I have the choice and I have a bird coming in, it's a long beard. I will kill a long beard. Y'all, now do you? I know Tyler backpacks in to chase turkeys. Is that a, is that something that you partake in as well? Yeah, man, we had a backpack trip this year. Uh, we we hunted some public and uh, got on a few birds. If we'd have had two days, I think we could have killed one of them. But uh, we got in kind of late the evening before and had uh, roosted one, and then the next morning kind of chase another and i mean i can get into that story if you want me to it yeah, was sure, unsuccessful but yeah so the night before uh we hiked in there about 6 30 we were running a little late and uh ended up walking in about three and a half miles but public land and um it heard a bird gobble kind of right at dark and pulled up the maps there on our phone i downloaded some maps beforehand and uh knew figured out where he was there's a little a little uh kind of clover field that the wildlife had put in up there on top of this ridge and i knew i'm like that's where he's going to be roosting right there he was headed up to the top of that ridge and uh so we made our way and basically set up camp and uh this particular spot was fairly close to the appalachian trail well we were camping and and you know that night we were eating dinner and uh, we actually saw a headlight coming down the appalachian trail it was about 10 30 at night we didn't think anything of it so next morning we get up and uh the bird just started gobbling early man this one in particular the bird that we had roosted did not gobble at all we never heard him and and it kind of i didn't know what happened there but 
you know, where we heard this other bird, we're like, well, he's hot. Let's go get after him. And uh, we didn't realize how far he was away from us. So by the time we got there, it was almost past the window. He had, he had flown down. And uh, we ended up, eventually, we tried to work him. He never gobbled after he came off the roost, man. But eventually, we finally just like, whatever. He's not, he's not up there. We went up to where he was roosted, and there was a fresh fire ring. I think that hiker had camped right oh, under this bird. Oh, no. Yeah, dude. So we had been chasing this bird, and he was gobbling so early because he was spooked. And uh, he came down and went the other way. It was on the Tennessee line. So he, I think he was in Tennessee. Um, we ended up going back to where we, we had roosted the other bird. And I cut real hard. And he actually answered, but we were right on top of him we were about to come into that clover pot and I said, I hit the crow. He did not answer, which surprised me. And then I cut real hard and he gobbled. It was just like a shot gobble. And, uh, we never heard him, man, never heard him or saw him again. We, um, he had some hens with him for sure. Cause we did after sitting there for about 30 minutes, we worked up through this plot and, uh, flew a hen. So he definitely had a hen with him. I think those birds had been, if, if we could have had another day, they'd been called to, man, so much. And, and I knew that going in there, but like I kind of mentioned on the previous podcast, knowing where he would have been going back, I think I would have just gone in super, super early and just set up on that little, that little clover plot and not made a sound until he was answering. And I heard where he was at because they just been, it was the end of the season and they, they'd been worked so much that they were just call shy bad but it was a fun hunt so help me help me understand uh, why are y'all backpacking in to hunt turkeys why not (laughs) (laughs) okay i mean fair enough i mean (laughs) it's just well well, uh we're going you know so we're going on an elk trip here in in in, uh september so we're trying to you know kind of get prepared for that but it's just fun man i mean we have so much uh um game lands around here the pisgah national forest so you know, we like to get get back in there as far as we can and get away from as many people as we can, hoping that we can find those old birds that that, uh, you know, because really, man, a lot of these private spots, you know, you're going to have two year old birds. You know, if you're lucky, a three year old bird. But, man, the big birds are on public land because they're so educated and they're hard to kill. And and we like the challenge of trying to get after them. It's obviously the success is a lot fewer and far between. But you learn a lot. And uh, when you when you're successful, man, it's usually a, a swarper. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I I, I had a, a feeling that there was a, a a backcountry preparation component to that, where yeah, you yeah. know, these little trips kind of sort out, you know, maybe how you pack your pack, or you know, I, I don't know, just getting used to taking stuff in and out and and, and moving around. That's uh, how how far? Well, how far are y'all are y'all going? A couple miles. Uh, on this on the turkey trip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we went in about three and a half miles. We ended up walking in total about eleven. Wow. Um, yeah, so we put on we put boots to the ground, but um, yeah, we we ended up camping in about three and a half miles, which you know, I mean, it's a, a far enough distance to where you really don't have to worry about somebody at least coming in on you the morning before, or you know, that morning of right. the hunt. Sure. Um, unless you know you just run across a diehard hunter. If that's the case, I'll sit there and talk to him and shoot the bull with him because my hat's off to him if he's willing to work for it i mean yeah that's what we're doing so 
I read a I read an article uh, a couple weeks back about a guy that uh, does the same thing out of Tennessee, but he does it for whitetails. And yeah. during the rut, he's got a spot back in there, and this guy doesn't even hunt from a tree stand. He literally does a spot and stalk and sit type of mentality, and uh, he does a lot of hunting out west. And he's like, this is the best thing I can possibly do to kind of replicate it. And, you know, obviously it falls short because it's old mountains versus new mountains. But yeah, uh, he was he was talking about how he basically, you know, I think he was talking about how the trees are so old that the understory you can see forever in a day. And he's like, I just, I bring my muzzleloader back in here and I basically just take, you know, walk 50 yards, sit down, scan, spot and stalk, just like I would out West. And I was like, oh man, that is, that is cool, man. That, I, yeah, you that is, that is cool. You don't think about that kind of stuff on the East coast. Yeah. We can, we're going to have to get you up here, man. We're, we could have walked forever. And I mean, these, man, this, where we live is, in my opinion, I mean, I've been all over the country. It's one of the it's one of the most beautiful places. Um, I'm biased, but you know, I take it for granted sometimes because I live here. But sure. it's it's gorgeous. You can go. I mean, I can uh, tell you about the 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 a hundred two on the successful hunts that I had this year, if you'd like. Yeah, sure. So my first hunt, the first bird I killed, uh, I actually had to take my kids to to their daycare first off, so I was kind of discouraged about that, but. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I knew, uh, the piece of property had some birds on it. Um, so I, I thought to myself, I'm just going to book it over there as soon as I, I get done and see what I can get on. So, um, pull up to the, the property there and got out and got my stuff on and crossed the barbed wire fence and hit the crow call and I didn't hear anything. So I'm like, well, I, I kind of had an idea where these birds would be if they were in there. Um, and, uh. So walked a couple hundred yards, hit the crow call, and he gobbled. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm in the game now. So uh, I, they were down low. I wanted to set up above them, kind of as I mentioned previously uh, in the other podcast. I like to get above the birds here because they like to work up. And um, so I get set up. I actually almost bumped a hen, but I went around her. She stuck her head up, and luckily I was in some uh, a thicket. So I didn't spook her because I think I would have ruined my hunt. But. I, I went around them and set up and, and just got my, got my, uh, I didn't have any decoys or anything. So got my vest set up and everything and, um, hit the call and he answered. So I waited a few minutes and he didn't gobble again. So I hit the call again and he, he cut me off. So I waited about five more minutes and I'm like, I'm going to call again. And if he answers me, I'm going to make a move if he hadn't moved because this had been in a matter of about 10 or 15 minutes. So the way he was acting, I knew that he had some hens with him, and what that was my thought. So I called again, and he gobbled. So and he hadn't moved. So he was kind of down in this little bowl, and there was a about twenty five yards from me. There was a lip to where you could see down in that bowl. So kind of as Dave Owen says, if I'm if I ain't calling, I'm crawling. So, <laughs> so uh, I belly crawled to the edge of this lip, man, and and sure enough, I could see his tail fan down there, just full strut, and he had four hens with him. And uh, that's why he wasn't moving. Um, so obviously then I had a huge advantage. I could see him. You know, I think that's half the battle, man. If you can see the bird, you, your chances go up tremendously. Um, why, and I just sit why, there. Do you, why do you say that? I hate to interrupt, but why do you say that? No, you're fine. You, you just can read them. I mean, you can you can see how they're reacting, you know, what their interest is to their hand, to his hands, like which way they're which way they're going. If, you know, hey, if he's going the other way, 
Sure. The good thing about hunting here is you can use the terrain to your advantage. So I can hop over a ridge and, you know, sprint around the other side if I want to and kind of cut him off without him ever seeing me. I got that advantage over you down there. Um, not being able to do that, but you know, I just sat there and watched him for 15 minutes through my binoculars and, um, those hens started feeding off and, uh, he went under a cut bank, man, to my surprise, he separated from them. And now keep this in mind. I hadn't, I hadn't called in probably 15, 20 minutes. And sure enough, man, he, he started working up that, uh, even though I hadn't made a sound, he remembered exactly where I was and, uh, started making his way to the top of that little lip where I was at and popped up 40 yards and I killed him. No, that's awesome, man. That, so I kind of want to expound upon this and kind of pick your brain. So it's the, it's the, the ability to read the bird visually. Would you say that, that if a hunter has the opportunity, he ought to be setting up his approach to that bird to where he can see it. Like that ought to be the, the goal or should, you know, let's say there's a block of woods, right. And there's various openings. Should you mm-hmm. be trying to visually lay eyes on the bird? Should that be your goal or should you be trying to get close and try and listen to the bird and take that bird's temperature? Like we've discussed previously. I think initially if it, if, if you can get to where you can see that bird and, and you know, let me, let me take that back. I want to work the bird first just to see, take his temperature. I want to sit back and take his, take his temperature. Cause I can't tell you how many times, man, earlier in my, I want to say turkey hunting career, but earlier in my turkey hunting days that I messed the hunt up before it even started because I tried to get too aggressive and too close, and then it's just, it's ruined. Right. But I've done that enough times to where I can kind of tell when, you know, when that bird's going to come and when he's not. And I knew from him answering me and me sitting there for that amount of time and him not moving at all that there was something going on because he was too fired up not to be moving. And I, I, I just figured he had hens with him, which I was right, but you know, even if I hadn't moved, I would I would have still got a shot at him. But I just knew that I could make that move without spooking him because uh, I had the advantage of him being down off in that bowl. So when I can, I'll do it just because almost to put my mind at ease because you're not sitting there. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're sitting there 25 minutes and you're like, right. I don't know where he's been. And he pops up and, and you're moving. You're not staying still and it's ruined. Yeah. And, and then see, that's kind of where that's I was kind of setting you up for that you you anticipated where i was going with that i think but it's one of those things where if if being able to visually see that bird provides you with a competitive advantage it almost seems like there's almost like a a flip of the coin that that kind of has to be made a lot of the birds around here don't talk often yeah i mean that's just that's just what it is i mean you you can sometimes find a hot bird and last year i had just an absolute hot bird no matter i could have just like you know just smacked the striker to the pot call and he would have, and he would have fired off. I mean, he just, he didn't care. But a lot of times what we end up are these birds that, um, you have to almost overcall to get a reaction. But obviously at mm-hmm. that point, you're probably doing more harm than good. Yeah. Um, but we, I hunt these swamp bottoms where I can see a couple hundred yards. So maybe I, what I ought to be doing is trying to cut that distance a bit in, in a, in a way that maybe I won't be seen up that risk just a little bit, roll the ass a little harder and try and be able to visually see that bird. Because if they're coming, but they're such silent birds, that visual ability might be absolutely essential to success. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. If I, if I was in that situation, I definitely would. But then, you know, at the same time, man, you can do real quick. I'll run through my, my, the, the hunt I killed my bow if we got time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Go ahead, buddy. 
Um, I had, it had rained the night before all night forecast was supposed to be rain all night. And it was five, no 10% chance at 5 AM. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to set up perfect. Um, so I drive out to this spot that I was hunting and of course the forecast was wrong, dude. It was just piss in the rain for an hour and a half after daylight. I was soaking wet. I'm like, well, this is a waste of time. So I threw my stuff in the truck and started heading back over the mountain. Well, they were calling for rain. It was just the percentages was going up as the day was going on. So it was raining that hard that early. I'm like, well, the day's ruined. Well, so I'm driving over the mountain, kind of headed back towards my house. And, uh, no joke, I literally saw there was one patch of blue sky, and I knew exactly where that was, and it was over a piece of property that I had the permission to hunt. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So, I, of course, I'm I'm headed straight there because there were some fields there. It had been pouring the rain. I'm, I know those birds were going to be in those fields. So uh, I get there, um, crow call, don't hear anything. I kind of knew where these birds were going to be. So I'm like, you know, I actually had some decoys with me, which is very rare. And I'm like, because I have my bow. I'm like, if I'm going to try to work this bird or find a bird, you know, I'm going to throw some decoys out to distract them a little bit just so I can get drawn. Well, dude, I mean, I had those decoys set up. I set them up. I sit back. I got my bow sitting there. I hit my call. I cut real hard. Gobbles. I'm like, holy crap. Here we go. (laughs) So I'm working this bird, man, working this bird for about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. He, He wasn't. He wasn't that vocal, but at the same time, kind of like previously, um, he would gobble when I call. So I'm like, I'm just going to shut up. So I shut up. I'm sitting there for about five, six minutes. He gobbled. He gobbled two or three times. And then the next time he gobbled, I could feel it. Uh, you know, I could feel, you know, you could feel the thunder in their chest, man. And uh, I'm like, okay, he's in eyesight. Where is he at? So I turn around to my left and he's back about 70 yards from my deeks, just full strut. And I'm like, here we go, dude. I got my camera set up. I'm like, this is going to be perfect. Dude, he sits there at freaking 75 yards watching my decoys. And this is the thing. I, I just not had good luck with decoys. And, and it's almost just, you know, necessity when you're bow hunting. Cause I've spooked so many birds trying to get drawn without decoys. So it's like a, you know, lose, lose. I don't know. <laughs> I got to figure, I got some work to do, but. So he's strutting out there, and I'm just like, I don't know. So I, I start purring. He's gobbling, but he just will not commit, man. And uh, little did I know, he had four hens on the other side of him that I couldn't see. Uh... And he he just was not going to come to that Jake and that hen. And uh, so because I had the ability to see him, he, he had worked off. Uh, he was working off of those other hens and going under a little rock cliff. So I'm like, do or die. So I, I get my, my bow, pick it up, and and uh basically i don't run but kind of half jog while i'm i'm bent down as far as i can and like i mentioned earlier uh on the other podcast i like to keep a always pick a big tree i'm going that i'm going to that that i can have in between me and the bird especially when i have my bow and uh so i got to that tree man and i was down on my knees and uh i cut real hard and he gobbled right under the edge of that rock so i stood up and uh there was a little creek down under this rock cliff and I'll be dang if these birds didn't jump in the creek. And I looked and he was coming up on the other side of that creek and I drew back and killed him. At 70 yards, right? No, no, no. How far was he? No. You think? <laughs> he was a 38. That's still a hell of a poke. 
yeah it was a it was it was a yeah it was, it was a little bit it, it didn't seem as far but because it was kind of had that illusion you know it had that little uh when you have like a little holler in between you and they're on the other side of a holler they look closer than what they really are but luckily i had uh had the pin held right so so you didn't even, you didn't have time to range find him you guessed no no i didn't range him yeah Oh, you dog, man. You know, Tyler told me I was going to hate you at times when I talked to you. <laughs> you you guesstimated 38 yards and managed to hit a softball-sized set of vitals, dude. That is insane. Or just lucky. I shoot a lot, man. I do shoot you? a lot. Yeah, I do. I do. I shoot a ton. What, what's your what's your current setup? Uh, I shoot an Elite 30, uh, Energy 35, 30-inch uh, draw, 80 pounds. Oh, you got that long draw. Yeah, I got the long draw. Dad, gum right, man. That's what I'm talking about. I got a 27 and a half inch pygmy draw. I got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm working on placement, man, because I ain't got much to, much much umph behind it. That's cool. Dude. What arrows you shooting? What broadheads for for turkeys? Um, I shoot a schwacker. Okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I've had just I've had good luck with them, man. I mean, you know, uh, early in my bow hunting. Uh, Again, not my career when I was younger. You know, back then it was just shooting muzzies. And then when all the mechanicals started coming out, uh, I tried the swackers and I've killed pigs and, and deer and turkeys. And I've just, I've had good luck with them. Right, right. Well, hellfire, man. I mean, that's what works for you. That's what works for you. I've, that's it. I, I mean, it ain't broke, don't fix it. Heck, right? I'm right. And, and, <laughs> and that's what I'm trying to do because I'm such a freaking tinker. Like, I, I cannot, I see something, I'm like, I bet you that arrow would work better. No reason. Just, I see it, and I'm like, that's a cool-looking arrow. I bet you it'll work better. I'm going to try that arrow. And this year, yeah. I'm trying really hard. I'm Lord, as my witness and all y'all listening, I'm trying really hard just to be happy with my equipment because it's doing what it's supposed to. I ain't going to screw around with it. I just overcame some target panic, which is fantastic. And so I ain't going to tinker with anything. I'm going to try putting my money into equipment that will allow me to go out west and things like that. So base layers, boots, binoculars, stuff like that. Because, man, I got to looking at my budget. And if I just spend what I spend tinkering on that stuff, I could go out west. There you go, man. <laughs> yeah, once you get it dialed in, just, just yeah. repetition. Daggum right, man. Now, you use the Schwackers on deer, too? Uh, I do. I do. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I just like I said, man, I mean, I've – I've yet to have to not have a complete pass through uh, with them, and that's pigs included. Dang up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been I've been pleasantly uh, pleasantly surprised. But you know, I've shot all kinds. I've shot uh, uh, slick tricks and muzzies, and uh, I just you know I just like something that I don't have to do a whole lot of tuning. And with those, um, sure, yeah. You know, now with this elk trip, I, I'll have to use a um, I would use a fixed plate anyways on elk, but. Uh, in Idaho, you have to. So I probably, I'll probably uh, shoot slick tricks this year. Cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I just got sent um, in my bow hunter box club. I got sent a uh, three pack of the Tooth of the Air broadheads. Okay. Are you familiar with them? Uh, I haven't seen them. They're a CNC machined from a solid like steel tube of or rod of uh, some kind of high quality steel. They're like CNC machined out, kind of like a Montec G5. But, okay. Um, it's a. They only have like a one and a one and three eighths inch cutting diameter, depending on which model you get, the one hundred or the one twenty five. But dude, these little things, they are four bladed. They are sharp as sin, and I'm really interested. I mean, like, I've got to get past the idea that it, like my Muzzy MX threes are one yeah. one and three eighths three eighths. I think is the cutting diameter. 
one and one fourth. So I'm only losing a quarter inch cut diamond. I'm trying to get past that mentally because these things spin true and they're so sturdy. I, I Like you, I want something that, that's low maintenance. But more importantly, I'd like to be able to shoot it more than once before I have to spend another freaking 40 something dollars on a pair of Oh, absolutely. Heads. So, yeah. uh, they, you know, and. You can you can do the type that's you know the replaceable blades, but I've had those where I shot through a deer in a small southeast Georgia deer, and one and two of the blades will pop off. Oh jeez. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I recovered the deer. We were lucky in that regard, but um, I mean, that just kind of goes to show you. Well played shot. I I got one of three blades cutting diameter on uh, on the deer, but wow. Yeah, yeah it's uh, find something that works for you and stick to it. I guess. That's it, man. You, you heard it from the pro. He tags out every year, so. <laughs> you're crazy yeah a little bit but that's all right <laughs> well bubba yeah i have i know you 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 are a family man and i've taken up a bunch of your time you got any closing thoughts or things you'd like to share with the listeners after this season or things you feel like you need to address maybe a little more not really man just hey. you know i appreciate you having me on and uh and uh you know i just encourage everybody to just get out there and hunt man don't don't worry about how big, whatever you're killing, how big it is, or just don't worry about what anybody else says. Just get out there and hunt and enjoy the outdoors and just get after them. There you go. And if you have any questions, look up Jordan Hotchkiss and just pummel him with questions on Instagram. And Hey, I'll help anybody I can, man. I know you would. About. I know you would. Well, hang on, Bubba. I appreciate you taking the time. Hang on, I'm going to wrap this up now. I want to chat with you. Y'all, turkey season is rapidly coming to a close. And that's okay. That just means it's time for another <clears> – <throat> and that's okay. That just means deer hunting is getting closer every day. We are 100 – and when we recorded this, 108 days away from September 1st. That is my countdown to football season. And after that, I'm going to start counting down to, to deer season. But it's getting close is my point. So get out there and shoot your bows. Uh, figure out your setups. Make sure your, your, your tree stands are as they should be. Check your, your safety straps and your safety harness and – we we have gotten a whole lot of great reviews from people on iTunes, and I thank y'all for that. And I'm shifting I'm shifting my focus. I'd like to just ask one thing from y'all. You don't even have to go online and do a review. You ain't got to do any of that. Just tell one of your friends about the Chasing Tales podcast. That's how we're going to grow. Tell your friends. Encourage them to listen to the podcast and subscribe, and that will go a long ways to helping this community grow. Tell them about our, our closed group, Chasing Tall Tales, on Facebook. Uh, suggest them as an uh, to be added, and I'll gladly put them in there. But uh, until next time, y'all be good. <laughs> <laughs>